You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Three-time Olympic gold medalist and NBC Olympic swimming analyst Rowdy Gaines joins Washington Post Live to discuss the summer games and what world records he believes may be broken. Let's listen. Good morning and welcome to the Washington Post Live. I'm Jackie Alamani, a congressional correspondent and author of Power Up newsletter here at the Post. The eyes of the world are about to turn to Tokyo for the games of the 32nd Olympics. And my guest this morning is going to have a front row seat. He is a three-time Olympic gold medalist. He's calling his eighth Olympic games and is going to be a swimming analyst for NBC Olympics. Rowdy Gaines, welcome to the Washington Post Live, Mr. Gaines. Thank you, Jackie. So good to be with you. Uh, And our viewers should know you are 14 hours ahead of us right now. Well, you know, I keep going back and forth. (laughs) I get confused all the time. I think it's 13. So anyway, right now it's 11 o'clock at night. So I think that's 13, right? It's 10 a.m. your time. Well, you've been attending the Olympics uh, since you first participated in in 1984. I'm sure you've had uh, some worse jet lags. What are you most looking forward to uh, seeing at this year's Games? Well, you know, I think uh, all of us are really looking forward to the Olympics just taking place. We kind of kicked things off with uh, women's soccer and women's softball today, which uh, just happened in, in a great manner, and and I think everybody is just really kind of praying that we will have a, a safe, uh, secure, and wonderful Olympic Games. I think in in my lifetime, anyway, this is the one that I've been looking forward to the most, uh, and for many reasons. I think the Olympic Games bring us all together in so many different ways, and this one certainly will has that capability to do that. This is the first time that the world has come together in the last uh, 18 months on a world stage like this. So I think uh, everybody is a little bit trepidatious, obviously, but I think everybody's very excited. I know I am. And one of the most famous American athletes that we're going to be watching uh, in Tokyo is swimmer Katie Ledecky, the pride of of Washington, D.C. and the DMV. She's already earned five gold medals. She'll be swimming in four individual events and one team relay. How do you think she's going to do? Well, if she doesn't take another stroke for the rest of her career, I think without a doubt, she's the greatest female swimmer in history. Nobody's even in her ballpark, Uh, but she will take a lot more strokes uh, as we go along here in the next 10 days or so. And she's got a chance to win a lot of medals. She's, She's not as dominant as she was in 2016. I think she will even admit that, but she is definitely one that is, uh, is going to win a lot of medals. I, I think the key for her, really, Jackie, is that very first race, the 400 freestyle, which is going to be the second night back in the United States, second morning here in um, Tokyo. Uh, the 400 freestyle is against her big rival now, which is Ariana Titmus from Australia. And if she can kick that off in a great gear, and I don't even necessarily think she needs to win it, but if she can put a good show on there, she's on her way. She's got the 800 freestyle a historic 1500 freestyle, a first time in history that that has ever been uh, contested in the Olympic games for the women. And of course the 800 free relay and the 200 freestyle. So she's got an opportunity to swim and succeed in a lot of uh, different events. But I think, uh, I think the 400 freestyle is a very important one. 
So if she does manage to win all five of her events, she could become the winningest female Olympian ever with 10 gold medals. How, you know, you said that she's, she's not as, um, as strong as she was in 2016. How does achieving something like becoming the winningest female uh, Olympian gold medalist sort of, uh, negate that, um, that discrepancy? Well, I, I don't think I, I don't think it's so much the gold medal count. I, I think if you look at her body of work since 2012, Jackie, she hasn't lost the 800 freestyle, her signature event, by the way, the one she still has the world record in. She still has the world record in the 400 and 1500 as well. But she hasn't lost the 800 freestyle since 2011. I mean, it's been 10 years since she's lost the 800 free. And so if you look at the body of work from the world championships perspective, the number of world records she has broken, the number of events she has broken along the way, especially in freestyle, she can swim the 100 all the way up to the 1500. And, and the way she's tackling her schedule this Olympic Games, let me, let me say, think about this now, the 200 freestyle lasts about a minute and 50 seconds. That's that's similar to the 800 in track and field. It would be like somebody, somebody running the 800 in track and field and going all the way up to the 10,000 in track and field, which is similar to the 1500 in swimming. Not only is she doing that, she's doing that in the same day. The 1500 final and the 200 free final are both the same day. So it's an, an extraordinary task she has ahead of her. And uh, I have all the confidence that she'll live up to all the expectations. And the women's team also has another gold medalist. That's Lily King. So they're loaded with talent. Do you expect the team to win the gold? Well, I mean, Lily King has been uh, sort of like uh, Katie Ledecky, uh, a little late Katie Ledecky-ish, I would say, and the fact that she hasn't lost 100 breaststroke in the last five years. I mean, the last time she lost, we have to go back to 2015. So she's been that kind of dominant, but only in one event, the 100 breaststroke. She has now added the 200 breaststroke to her repertoire, even though she did swim that back in 2016, she's become a lot stronger in that event. So not only does she have the 100 breast, she also has the 200 breast and potentially two relays. She's got the 400 medley relay, and now a new, another a new event like the women's 1500 and the men's 800, she's got the mixed medley relay in which two men and two women both compete on the relay. So it's, uh, it's going to be very exciting for her. She's done it all in the, in the world of swimming, if you think about it, Olympic gold medal, world record, uh, world champion. And uh, she's certainly the heavy favorite to win the gold again here in Tokyo in the 100 breast anyway. She'll have her work cut out in the 200, but she'll be the favorite in the 100. And I want to get to the men's team, which has a bit of a different team with only two swimmers returning uh, from the 2016 Olympics in Rio. What do you expect from them this year? Well, they're certainly flying under the radar. There's no question about it. I think the biggest thing that people Very are always asking me, Jack, yes, where's Michael Phelps? <laughs> you know, is Michael Phelps still swimming? And what's he doing? Uh, how's he doing? And you know, we won't have Michael Phelps, at least not in the pool. He'll be joining me in the booth for a few races, but he won't be in the pool this year. And this is the first time since 1996. So that's certainly a shock to the system. It's a shock to the American system because we're so used to seeing Michael out there. But USA Swimming, I think it said it in the quote when um, I was being introduced. They've, they've been number one in the world of swimming since 1956. That's, that's a long time, Jackie. That's 65 years 
No other team, no other sport that can claim that kind of dominance. So I certainly expect the men to win the most medals. Um, and I, I think they'll win the most gold medals, but it, 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 they're, they're certainly going to have to go with the motto of under promise and over deliver here, because like you said, there's only a few that are returning from 2016, including Ryan Murphy, who's the world record holder in the 100 backstroke and three-time Olympic gold medals, a great name in the world swimming. And the newest name, not necessarily newest, but the newest as far as the American public goes, that's Caleb Dressel. Um, and he could definitely, as you said in the beginning, uh, have the possibility of winning seven Olympic medals himself. He is the best male swimmer in the world today. And I want to go back to the teams, but I have to ask you this since you are sitting in a booth with Michael Phelps and probably know him quite well. My my boyfriend yeah. and I um, argue about this all the time as we're reading this book about the differences between genius and talent. And Michael Phelps is one of the case studies uh, because his body proportion-wise um, is uh, obviously facilitates him being so good at swimming because of the length of his arm, the length of his foot, um, which, which I can relate to. I have very long arms. But I, I'm wondering what is your assessment there on genius versus talent when it comes to Michael Phelps' storied career? Well, I haven't read the book, but I, I'm probably thinking that is a, it is a an incredible combination of both, Jackie. I, I, I don't want to be a fence sitter there, but he is uh, obviously he has tremendous talent. You don't win 28 Olympic medals unless you have uh, an, an incredible talent, right? Uh, he's the greatest Olympian in history, in my opinion. And I, you know, of course, I'll get arguments on this all the time, but the greatest athlete in history, in my opinion. But uh, he also has uh, an incredible genius about him. And what I mean by genius is, you know, Michael and I have talked about this several times. The guy hates to lose. I, I think sometimes when I'd seen him during the during his career, and I'm, I've been fortunate enough to call all his Olympic races dating back to 2000, I see that fire in his eyes when he walks out on the deck. Um, and you think, ah, you can't really see that. No, I can. I, I think I've been around long enough to where I see fear versus fire versus anger versus question marks. I, I, I haven't. A vision for that, I think. And I, every time I saw Mike or Michael swim, it was always about fire. And that fire came from his smarts. He really defeated his, his opponent as he walked out there because everybody was facing this reputation, right? And that was the genius about Michael was the fact that he was so brilliant in the world of swimming before the race happened. How big is it of a burden for the current swimmers to try to live up to Michael Phelps? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I got to travel, Dan Hicks, my partner, and I got to travel to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago at their training camp and spent three or four days with them and really got to know the team and uh, attend practices with them. We were really immersed with the team. And uh, I will tell you, they, they were very relaxed. They understood what Michael meant when we talked to them all, including Caleb. Um, they understood the, the, um, what, what he brought to the table for the sport. He, he changed our sport more dramatically than any other person or thing in history. Uh, they have an appreciation for that. But Caleb put it most eloquently, eloquently I think, when he said, listen, I'm trying to do the best I can for Caleb Dressel. I'm not trying to follow in Michael's footsteps. 
you can't really follow in Michael's footsteps, at least right now. I mean, maybe there's one day that somebody will be able to win 28 Olympic medals. But right now, everybody has to kind of swim in their own lane and put the blinders on. You know what I mean? And I, I, I got a sense of that from certainly the biggest stars, but even the younger swimmers. And there are a lot of young kids on this team. And there are, I think, I think nine or ten teenagers on the team alone. So mostly on, on the women's side. But, you know, this is a, this is a team that I think, again, uh, they're going in with uh, the attitude of being underdogs. And that's not a bad thing to have uh, in certain times. I think the Milwaukee Bucks might just tell you that after what they just did. And I want to get to a question from one of our viewers, Neil Beck from Pennsylvania. He is wondering why the United States seems to have trouble developing long-distance swimmers. That, that's a good question, Neil. And I'll, I'll tell you, this is my opinion. I, you know, I don't know if it's right or not, but this is what I think. I think it's really based a lot on our college system. You see in the United States, our college system is this amazing I guess what you call it, minor league training ground. It, it really builds, especially in today's athletes, it builds that that progress to um, to being a great professional swimmer in, in today. I mean, USA Swimming has been number one because of its great club system, its great coaches, and its great college system. Well, in college, a coach is always going to recruit a, a, not necessarily a mediocre, but a medium-type sprinter over a great distance swimmer, primarily because of relays. There are so many relays and sprint relays in college that that's what a coach has to survive on. His or her responsibility lies in their job. And a lot of that, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit, but that this is why there are not, is not a lot of great distance swimming in the, in, in the United States today. There has been traditionally, and I think this team will kind of prove some naysayers wrong. And then we and I think the U.S. has some really good distance swimmers and potentially great future distance swimmers. But for right now, that's one of the reasons I think. And again, it's a long explanation, but that's what I think. And obviously swimming is your expertise, but what else are you looking forward to seeing over there over the next two weeks? Well, first of all, it, you know, we are trying to be as safe as possible. Uh, we are under technically a two-week quarantine um, where we are only able to travel. When I say we as broadcasters, I don't know about anybody else, but we as broadcasters are only able to travel from here to the International Broadcast Center um, and to our venue, the swimming. So for me, the next uh, 10 days, which I would do anyway, to tell you the truth, I'm here to cover swimming. I, I don't go to any other sports. I don't do anything else. On the previous 10 Olympics I've been to, except swimming. So for me, the, the quarantine doesn't hit me too hard because my focus is really on swimming. And uh, so for the next, uh, when swimming starts on Saturday, I'll just be going from the hotel to the pool every day and back and forth. But getting to your question, um, when that quarantine is over, and it will be at the end of swimming, and I'll still have three or four days. And, you know, I, I, I love beach volleyball. Uh, I love the basketball. Um, I love table tennis. Uh, I can't wait to get to the table tennis, hopefully. I, I know it's crazy. It sounds like, well, this minor sport, table tennis. Uh, they're incredible athletes, and I, I always look forward to seeing that every Olympic. I'm wondering if you can take us and just to, to Tokyo a little bit more and describe these really unusual circumstances for our viewers. Because of a surge in COVID cases, there are going to be no sure. spectators. 
is that lack of support going to affect the athletes in any way? You know, I, I, I'm not sure, Jackie. I wish I could tell you one way or the other. I've just never seen it except for this year. So historically, there aren't a lot of people in the stands anyway for swim meets. <laughs> you know, it's usually family and friends anyway. So we don't have big crowds as it is. And this year has given us a taste of empty stands. We have, whoops, sorry, my ear thing came out. We have, we have literally had um, very few people, if any, in the bleachers or in the stands during this last 18 months when we have been in, in competition. So I, I, I don't think it will affect them overall. If I'm a, I'm a betting person, I don't think it will affect them because this is the Olympics. It happens every four years. This time it's every five years. And this is the pinnacle of success in our sport. We don't have a World Series. We don't have a Super Bowl. We certainly don't have an NBA championship that's every year. So having it be every quadrennium, and as I said, every five years in this case, I think you'll have everybody really excited to swim fast. And I'm wondering if you can describe sort of the environment um, where you are right now. I know normally I'm covering Capitol Hill and I feel like we're just bracing for everything to have to return back to pandemic times, wearing our masks and um, keeping distance because of the Delta variant. Are, are athletes and broadcasters sort of walking around um, with, with trepidation and sort of fear of, about potentially getting the variant right now? I mean, listen, we're we're trying to do everything we can. I, I know my parent company, NBC. I know the JOC, the Japanese Olympic Committee. I know the Japanese government, the Japanese people are doing everything possible. I promise you they're doing everything possible to make sure this is the safest and securest Olympics that we've ever had. You know, it for me, and we wear a mask everywhere. Uh, like I said, we're in a, a, a figurative quarantine. We don't go out to restaurants. We eat at the hotel. We have uh, the, the uh, screens uh, um, between our meals where we don't eat individual. I mean, we don't eat in groups. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel very, very safe. I really do. Of course, you know, I've, I've had the vaccine, obviously. And, and I, you know, I, that's one reason. But also, I, I also I also believe in the Japanese people. I, I used to work for a Japanese company, Jackie, and uh, for seven years. And I can tell you, they're the, some of the most kindest, gentlest, gentle, um, wonderful, smartest people on the planet. And uh, if anybody can pull it off, it will be this country. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm I couldn't be more excited uh, for the next couple of weeks. Their vaccination rates are certainly an interesting contrast to what's going on in the U.S. right now. But do you think that Olympic organizers should have potentially considered delaying the games one more year after the spike that we've seen in Japan from the Delta variant? You know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. And, and it's really hard for me to answer that, Jackie, because I am not an expert in this at all. I, I, I'm some dopey, you know, ex-swimmer that just is loved, loves calling swimming. And I'm again, I don't want to be a fence sitter here and, and, and tell you something that maybe I, I have a, a feeling one way or the other, but I really don't. 
I just know that my Olympic dream was taken away in 1980. I made the, uh, the Olympic team in 1980, long before you were born. And there was a boycott in 1980, and we were not allowed to compete. And so my dream took eight years to be fulfilled when I swam in 1984. Um, and I know these athletes uh, are training extremely hard, and they've, they've kind of put their lives on hold. Um, to get through this last year, 18 months. And, uh, and I know they're doing everything possible in the Olympic Village and outside the Olympic Village to be as safe as possible. So um, it's a hard question to answer. It really is. But uh, I, I, think, uh, I think overall, I think we're going to have a, an incredible Olympics and Olympics that uh, the people of Japan will be proud of and certainly the, the people of the United States will be um, really uh, looking forward to watching. Well, in, in that vein of these athletes having to wait a whole additional year after the 2020 games were canceled, how difficult is the mental challenge that they're facing this year? Well, I, I, I mean, I certainly empathize what they, they've gone through. It's certainly different in so many ways, apples and oranges compared to what I went through in 1980. Obviously, mine was based on an athletic career. Now we deal with life and death every day over the last 18 months. But I certainly empathize with the with the, the feelings of denial, um, the feelings of anger. Sooner or later, you know, you you have this these feelings of depression, the sadness that we all feel. I'm not just talking about the athletes, but specifically the athletes. And then there comes a stage of acceptance and motivation. And I think those have been where the strong have survived over the last 18 months to be able to go through this delay um, and put all their dreams on hold for a whole nother year. And uh, I can tell you, there are a lot of swimmers that would have won gold medals last summer and they didn't even make the Olympic team this summer. Uh, and, 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 and there are a lot of swimmers that wouldn't have made it last year that might win gold medals this summer. So it, it's a, it's a crazy thing that we're going through right now, but uh, it should be fun to watch anyway, and dramatic. <laughs> and you mentioned, um, you know, uh, phases of, of grief and depression, uh, which sort of reminds me of um, Naomi Osaka. And I guess just more generally speaking, the shift, the social shift that I think um, the country has gone through over the past two years and, and how athletes have become more comfortable uh, being open about certain struggles with mental health. Uh, is is that something that you're taking into consideration in terms of the conversations that you're going to be having on such a huge platform um, during this uh, Olympic stretch? Sure, absolutely. Because Jackie, again, uh, you know, I went through the same thing. I, I had some real trouble um, post-Olympics and uh, I had uh, some some big struggles, especially the year after. Um, you know, Michael just had a, a, a tremendous uh, uh, documentary recently, and um, it went through what an Olympian goes through post-Olympics, pre-Olympics, and the pressure they feel because of the fact that it is every four years. Listen, in the end of the day, it's just a game. It's just sport. I understand that there are a lot of dynamics that are a lot more important in life, but this is something that these athletes, like I said, have, have certainly um, spent a tremendous amount of time 
um, working to try to achieve their dreams, which we all have. We all have these dreams inside of us. And I think we were all born with this gift inside of us. And, and these gifts, these athletes have been given, um, have been put on hold. And, and I think it's been great that they've been able to talk about it. It's something that I would have never done uh, 35, 40 years ago. I, I kept it inside, you know, and, and to be able to watch Michael talk about it and watch so many others. We have a, a woman on the team, Allison Schmidt, who is a four-time Olympian that has openly talked about her mental struggles. And, uh, and, and I think it's wonderful. I think it's great to kind of get that out there. I can tell you a lot of athletes and not just Osaka, Osaka but also, um, you know, Kevin Love um, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's talked openly about it. So I, I think it's great for our sport, especially. And as you're prepping for, again, having this enormous platform, um, what what exactly does that look like? Is is there also a responsibility you feel to, um, you know, expound on the on, on, how, on whether people should be vaccinated when uh, we are going through such a tumultuous time and um, in our country and convincing and getting those vaccination rates up? Well, I'm 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 certainly pro-vaccine. I mean, absolutely. I you know I I beg people to go out there and get the vaccine. That's just my personal opinion. But I'm not going to tell somebody they have to get the vaccine. All I can do is plead with them to do what they feel is right for them, and and for the people around you. Um, and for me, that's getting the vaccine. But uh, everybody has their own um, way to be able to handle things. And uh, I'm not a and that's one thing that I think that uh, this this mental health issue that that's arisen is the fact that there's been a lot of pressure put on a lot of these athletes from outside influences that have, you know, um, Kevin Love is a perfect example that I think it's really affected them in, in a negative way. And so I'm not going to be calling anybody out on TV about the vaccination. That's not my job. My job is to uh, certainly talk about some of the things they've been open about. Um, like mm-hmm. Allison Schmidt, um, but not something that, you know, that I think uh, is, is somewhat a, a, a private issue. Uh, and we, we don't have much time left, but I have two quick questions for you. Sherry uh, sure. Richardson, obviously devastatingly to a lot of Americans, um, was not able to compete in this Olympics because she tested positive for marijuana use last month. Do you think that the Olympic Committee needs to update um, some of these standards that a lot of people view as antiquated? Yes. How's that for short? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a dumb rule, and uh, and I, I think it's a ridiculous rule um, that just needs to be changed. Um, and that has nothing to me with me being pro or anti uh, marijuana. I have, you know, it, 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 that has nothing to do with it. I, I look at purely from the standpoint, is it performance enhancing? Does it give you an unfair advantage? If the answer is yes, then definitely it needs to be um, outlawed, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but when it's something that's not performance enhancing, then, you know, then especially when it comes to to marijuana. My mother was uh, very sick a few years ago, passed away. But during her last year of life, we got her medical marijuana license, and uh, it really helped her uh, through her suffering the last year. So, um, it, again, it doesn't mean I'm pro marijuana. It's just it has nothing to do with performance enhancing. Then, then I'm all for changing the rule. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that about your mother. Um, oh, uh, thank you. 
the the medal ceremony, my last question is going to be a contactless one. So the athletes are going to pick up their medals and, and place them around their necks themselves. You've won these gold medals before. What is that feeling like when someone drapes a gold medal around your neck and how heavy are they? Dude, they they are so heavy. Hang on. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Okay, I'm out of the picture. Okay, I'm back, I'm back. I know your producers go, let me go. But I brought my medal with me, right? It's, uh, I wasn't going to show it to you, obviously. But, uh, you know, sometimes I'm around kids and stuff, and, you know, if they've never seen a gold medal, it's pretty cool, right? And uh, so it is heavy. But, oh, my gosh, Jackie, they are so much bigger now. I mean, mine is so small compared to the, the Olympic medals now. Uh, they really are, have changed. Uh, sport has changed dramatically, so have the medals. So, um, but did that, did that get through TSA? Oh, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you a 30-second story. So, I, you know, we got stopped here, Rob, obviously. We had to go through some really strict protocols to get in the country. I'm sure you've been reading about it. So my, uh, my credential says Rowdy Gaines, and my passport, my real name is Ambrose Gaines, but my credential, which you had to present, uh, says Rowdy Gaines. So they're really two completely different names, and I got stopped and a lot of questions. I said, I promise I'm one and the same person. I'm Rowdy and Ambrose. I brought out my medal. See, the event is on the side of the medal. You can Google it. I'm thinking, how embarrassing is this? I bring out my gold medal. What a fool I am. But it was kind of fun. And they said, oh, yeah, you are Rowdy Gaines. Yes, Ambrose Gaines. Okay, you can go ahead. <laughs> it was great. Uh, um, unfortunately, Rowdy, we are all out of time, but that is a delightful anecdote to to end on um i hope you stay safe during um the the next few weeks and we're looking forward to watching you on tv and, and cheering the americans on thank you jackie appreciate it again i'm jackie alamany thank you so much for joining us today to check out what interviews we have coming up please head to washingtonpostlive.com to register and find out more information about our upcoming programming We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.